The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The focus was great tonight. Uh, we understood we have to be more aggressive and physical on the defensive end. You know, Bam got to go in last game, and guys take that personal. So uh, to hold their guys, no, nobody scoring double figures with their starters. I think we obviously set the tone right there. But um, you know, we have a prideful team, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and as well as individuals. And um, they heard heard some of the things that were said and took pride in those matchups. And so came out with the right mindset, um, but have to duplicate that uh, game five coming off a win as opposed to only when we lose it. We have a a bunch of different ways that we can find a solution to get a win. We can do it in the mud. We can win it ugly. We can win it when the floodgates come open, you know, hitting threes. We can do it with, you know, Jimmy taking over a game. We can do it when he's facilitating. Uh, you know, we have the uh, mental fortitude and the collective toughness, you know, to be able to uh, embrace what we have is it's just a very competitive, uh, good series. This is what, this is what you want. Um, and they got the best of us tonight. We'll, uh, we'll take this hit, you know, where, uh, um, we'll do this together. Uh, and then we'll get back to Miami and get ready for, for, uh, game five. Good series. My ass. Say something nice, Michael. <laughs> Say something nice about the Eastern Conference Finals. It's basketball. <laughs> no, it's look. Uh, yeah. Say something nice about it. Uh, there are a lot of talented players in this series. That is true. That's true. She's got a, a lot she has of a good personality. In this series. She has a good hey, personality. No, no, I'm talking about. She's got, she's no, got, she's that, got a I'm great serious. sense of humor. She's I'm got not, a great I'm sense of humor. I'm not even going. She's got a good personality. I'm not even going that. But, but that matters. If she does have a good Did personality, I mention she that matters. Cook. Don't dismiss it. Comes don't from a great it. family. Comes from a great family. That, don't dismiss that either. Hey, good, good, good Mike. church going woman. <laughs> don't dismiss. Comes from a good family. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a lot Noted. to inform you. There's a lot of information based on the family structure. But look, got great coaches in the series. Two great head coaches. Um, a lot of terrific players, all NBA players on both sides, uh, borderline, either superstars or borderline superstars on both sides, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. Uh, good culture, good team culture with the Celtics and good the Heat. Cities. Good cities if two you're good covering cities. it or traveling. Yeah, two yeah. good markets. Yeah. But as far as, as far as competitive basketball and, oh, wow, back and forth, you don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, it is back and forth, and you don't know how it's going to go, but that's not a compliment. Wow. Can we get one game where for like 38, 39 minutes, it's close to scores within, like, say, two possessions, and you don't know who's going to win it? Mike, last night, first quarter, I'm there. I told you I was going to the game. Oof, In the first quarter, bad one to go to. I'm asking myself, why? Why? Yeah. Why? 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 Why am I here? Yeah. 
Why, why you're thinking of all the this? things you could have been doing, all the things you could have been doing. Yeah. And then you have to drive, you have to park. You, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know yeah. the whole thing. You know, just getting there, oh, yeah. getting there, yeah. rush hour traffic. Yeah. But yeah. here's the good part about it. I, I, I mean, if I'm you were Celtics you, fan, it was a great night. It was a great night to be at the Can Garden I shout out? Please. Can I shout out our people? I'm going to tell you, brother from another shout out. I saw a bunch of our people there last yeah. night. Saw, uh, had a conversation with Monica McNutt, Chris Haynes, A. Oh, Sherrod nice. Blakely, Jackie oh, McMullen, Doris Burke. Like I mean, Nice. I, I, you know, saw saw a lot of our people who had from had a social nice standpoint. Nice. It was worth it. Oh, it was great. It was it was nice. To see. Jeff Goodman. Uh, oh, so, wow. oh, right, really, Chris Mannix. I missed out. <laughs> I mean, I missed cool. I, 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 man. Gary okay. Gary Washburn. I mean, okay. it was really right. nice to it's see. just silver lining. A bunch yeah. of folks who had nice things to say about brother from another. And really enjoyed being on the show and. Okay, but that was before the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. The scene was so thick. And then yo, they had like they had like four points with two minutes left, the heat did. Like, that's what I'm saying. I left I left to go pick up my son. He had a training session last night. I left to go pick him up. It was like 18 to 1. I came home. I said, man, I'm catching up on Atlanta. I was like two episodes behind in Atlanta. That's right. I mean, Mike, so this is how it's going this series. Game one, heat by 20. Biggest leads. Game one, heat by 20. Game two, Celtics by 34. Game three, heat by 26. And we know how that ended. At least that was somewhat interesting down the stretch. And last night, Celtics biggest lead was 32 points. Bro, in this series, okay, like forget lead changes. It's just... It hasn't even that it hasn't even been interesting down the stretch. Okay. I mean, it was 57 to 33 at the half last night. It's after the first quarter. That's it. It's just it, the game's been in hand for the most part. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, this this game is you know what it, it's, it's almost like it's like a fight where nobody got their hands up. You know, it's like <laughs> people just swinging and, and, and they connected yeah. and they're getting woozy and it's like and it, it's like why? Why are we having conversations after every game about mentality about intensity about mindset about desperation? Like why does it? Why do the Celtics have to feel and you heard him Emil Doka talking about it just now there were there it is first 27 minutes in this conference finals three lead changes. The last 165 minutes total, we've had one lead change. So like, why does it why does it take feeling like your back is against the proverbial wall? Why does it take having a dig and, and, and find some kind of pride in a response? Why do we have to why, why do we have to be the the, uh, the, the, the Avengers and not the Prevengers? You yeah, know, yeah. like the, my, Michael, I would love Avengers, the Avengers, <laughs> <laughs> Right? Why, why can't can we truncate this series? Can we? I mean, is it possible to just do? Let's do five. Like it, maybe the way to get a good game out of these two teams, a good competitive game from start to finish out of these two teams, is if we just say up. game five is that's it. Game five, like not like oh game five in in an NBA history when it's tied two two, the winner goes on. No, none of that stuff. This is it. Winner of game five, winner take all. Game five. That's because I'm telling you. 
We're going to get another one. We're get another blowout, one way or the other. Either the Heat going to blow out the Celtics on the road uh, in Miami, or the Celtics yeah. are going to continue to own the Heat since they've owned most of the series, save for like two or three quarters or whatever. Just, I, I mean, it's, I, just, I know, can't it, with this series. It's so this, weird this series too. is drunk and not in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird because one of those series, and it's unfortunate. I mean, most of the time, you come out of a series and you say, all right, my team is better or my team was not good enough to win that series. I, I got to accept it. But if you if you go from, I, I don't know what the cutoff is. All right, say midpoint, whatever the midpoint is along the Atlantic seaboard, midpoint between Boston and Miami. Somewhere, I'm guessing it's somewhere uh, deep in Virginia. I don't know, just off the top of my head. But if you have Miami Heat fans uh, on one side at midpoint, they'll tell you, Oh, we're so much better than Boston. It's a shame the series is tied at two. We've blown them out when we needed to blow them out. We've had some lapses, uh, but we're the better team. And then you go the other side of that midpoint, Boston fans. I hear them all the time. Oh, we're clearly, we're clearly the more talented team than the Miami Heat, and we've blown them out. If we can just put it, get it together and not have these self-inflicted errors, blah, 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 blah. It, it's, it's annoying. Because both of them think they're absolutely right and you can't convince them otherwise. And guess what? They mo they both might be right. Who's the best team in this series? I don't know. Do they even know? Do the coaches know who the best team in the series is? They have both done these amazing things and pathetic things. Both of them have. Both have had incredible runs, have gone on incredible runs, and have had incredible runs happen to them. Like last night. Last night may have done it for me though. It it, it wasn't the it wasn't oh, the I'm eighteen the from the Celtics. That eighteen to one. Yeah. Okay. That eighteen to one start. See the eighteen was not great because the Celtics were not shooting well. The funny thing is they didn't really play that well offensively. No, last they didn't. night. No, they didn't. They shot. They didn't. They shot forty percent. They shot forty percent for the game. They, it was not great offense. They didn't shoot well from yeah, three point like, range. Yeah, like game, like game two is like okay, you know they just went they just went off. You know what I mean? It's a, you know you tip your hat to that. They didn't play well last night. The Heat, you know, same thing the Celtics tend to do. It's just like just decide to take the night off. I just don't know how you could take the night off in the playoffs with in the, the playoffs. conference championship on the line. That just that 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 just boggles the mind that these well, teams feel that that they need an extra really. edge. Like Ooh, the Heat had an opportunity. We we were sitting up here yesterday talking about the Heat had an opportunity to put their foot on the necks of the Boston Celtics and take a commanding 3-1 lead. So, you know what? Honestly, let's just fast forward hey. to the finals when the Warriors run circles around either one of these teams. Not because they're so much better than the Celtics especially, right. but because I think the, the Warriors are less likely, ever so slightly right. less likely, because we know what the Warriors will do, but ever so slightly less likely to trick this series off in the NBA Finals. Well, so let's, hey, is, is, well, is Larry we is Larry Bird at the hey. Larry Bird is he going to be there to present this trophy, this finals, this this conference finals MVP trophy? Is he going to be there to present this? Um, look, I hope know? so. I hope so. That'd yeah. be great. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. That's, I'm looking hey, forward to that. Let's just get this over with. Start. Yeah. Start gassing up the Warriors. They, you, you do remember what led you to worry about the. I remember. You That's worried. why I said less since, likely. Since you about always bring up, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know. Since you no, always I know. bring up, I did. You always bring up my little 
Celtics and six Celtics win game six, but lose game seven. That's an odd take Michael. That's an odd take. All right. So let what? me just point out to you that you were worried. Mine was wrong. About no, mine was wrong. Yours didn't make sense. Mine was wrong. Those are two different things. Oh, well, let, let me tell you <laughs> mine mine was sense. just wrong. Hold mine on. was just flat out wrong. Hold on. Let me let me tell you what doesn't make sense. Not, not to keep bringing up old stuff, but you know. No, look. bring it up. Because no, wait. No, okay. please bring up old stuff, provided <laughs> it's more interesting than last night's game. I welcome you to change the subject <laughs> from last night's game. No, be uh, my guest. Because ain't shit to talk listen, about from last night. There's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. Look, um, you had the, the Warriors lose by what 50 points, whatever, like 39. They were down by 50. They lost something. By, yeah, they were down and by we were, 55. Yeah, we were both yeah. talking about whoop that trick, whoop that yeah. trick. All right, we're doing that yeah. whole thing. We having fun yeah. with that song. Yeah. And at that point, it's still <clears throat> three two. They're down. Right. The, the 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 Memphis Grizzlies are down three two, without their right. best player, going right. back to San Francisco. Right. And you said you said. Yeah, that Golden State should be worried. Yeah, they're down. They're up three two. They got the best players on the court. They at right. the crib and you right. said they should be worried. Yeah. Now you think yeah. that makes sense? Okay, it do you, think that, you think that now you still it did think at that? the time? Yeah, they, they, the yeah. way the Grizzlies were playing hell the way listen man the way to put it this way if the if the Grizzlies had been healthy just as Kevin, if Kevin Durant had a smaller shoe, maybe it'd have been mm. a different story. That's how well the okay. Grizzlies were playing and have played all season without John Morant. And the and look, boy, look, don't even act like you weren't nervous until the fourth quarter of Game Six. It wasn't until the you Warriors did that Warriors yeah, thing. I wasn't it was. Oh, it wasn't was until nervous. the Warriors did their Warriors thing and flipped that switch and found that other gear and just blew the doors <laughs> look, off the Grizzlies. Hey. In the fourth quarter, right. but that was a it wasn't like game six was a blowout. Okay, let's not get it twisted. But That's at a the time, story. yes, I, a story. I I overestimated I? the Grizzlies. I overestimated the Grizzlies in my, in John Morant's absence and underestimated the Golden State Warriors. I completely own that. But I already told Mike you Smith. yesterday. I understand why your logic was so convoluted. You know why you didn't make sense in saying for those that missed it that the Celtics could win game six in Milwaukee, but would not win game seven at home because the exactly Celtics don't make no damn sense because the Celtics don't make no damn sense. That's why you said that because it's like, I mean, why? Why does it take this to get that? Okay. Like, why does it take you being down to one? Uh, and getting blown out on your home court to come back and protect home court the way they did last night. So I get it now. I understand. I get why you went there because this team Listen, is confusing. Mike, Mike, I was nervous. Not Golden State should be nervous, but I was nervous simply because I didn't want you to be right. I didn't want to hear your mouth. And I know you 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 had taken like some time off, but you would have. Uh, you would have been shouting from Andromeda if you had gotten this thing right and, and Memphis had won the series. I knew I was going to hear from you. I didn't want to. So I was nervous. No, I'm just going to speak for myself. And technically, I, I didn't say the Warriors right. should be nervous. I didn't say the Warriors should. I, I said they should. I said they should be cautious. Okay, not concerned. I was talking about Warriors Nation, Dub Nation. Mm. Every, like the war, I, I didn't expect. Just for the record, I didn't expect Steph okay. Curry or Draymond Green or or Klay Thompson to go in the game five, go in the game six at home. Like, oh my God! Like, no. But it's like, hey, don't take this team lightly. 
don't do that thing where they play with their food as a lot of people are fond of saying. But yeah, the Warriors, they they ain't got they're way more mature than these two teams, apparently. Yeah, they are. So they are. You know, and you know what? I think that that's where it, that's where it shows up. That's where the past does matter. A lot of times, you know, you'll see some stats. I'm like organizational stats. They really don't mean anything for the moment. Like, uh, with all respect, I mean, I love you know being in, in Boston Garden last night and looking up and and thinking about the different years. Uh, represented in the championship banners, you know, winning in 1959 and in 1960, 61, 62, on and on. Okay, great. And they got 17 world championship banners. That really doesn't mean anything right now for the Heat Celtic series. It doesn't. But Golden State's record in Western Conference Finals, that means something right now because Steve Kerr was a coach of the previous five conference finalists. And Steph Curry was there, and Draymond Green was there, and Klay Thompson was there. So I think if you go through that, yeah, that that goes a long way. You've got something. You've got this inner peace, this peace that's beyond understanding, Michael Smith. You've got it that Dallas can't relate to, and neither can Miami or Boston. So I think I think it's relevant. Yeah. So the war and so just to housekeeping purposes, Warriors they'll finish this off tonight, right? Like this is this is done. Done. This is Dallas. Make it interesting. So and clean, I, sweet. And, and oh, can I say? That can would I make, say? That would make them twelve, twelve and two, right? Twelve and two in the playoffs. If I'm not. That would make them twelve, and that's pretty impressive. They would do that thing. What? Yeah, they gonna do that thing. I really, I gotta tell you, I'm a Steph Curry fan. I hate the, I hate the night. I hate Why? that. Why? Why? I hate that. Oh, I oh oh. Twelve and three. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Twelve and three. That's right. I showed I showed in my Grizzlies uh, those two wins, twelve and three. That Why? is, that is nails on a chalkboard. Like it's just so beneath them. It's just so annoying. It's annoying. That's that's probably like one of the most annoying celebrations I've seen in the last decade. Like, like wait, why are you doing that? It's just I can't even say what word it is. It, there's a word that comes to mind. I'm not going to use it. What time is it? I, if it's a little late, if it were a little later in the day, I'd use the word that is. How, how dare you? It is it is not yeah. annoying. Yeah. Nothing about it's Steph Curry bo- is annoying. I wish that I could do anything in life as well as Steph does to the point where I could turn my back immediately after I do it. I don't it's, do night night, rock the baby. Too little, whatever Steph Curry wants. Any dude that can fire it. up a three-pointer, a contested three, and immediately turn around as that sucker is going in, can do no wrong in my eyes. So you can hate that all you want. Yeah, you hate know, I, it's, I, it's, I wish I was good at something that good at. It's something. the basketball. It, it, he's so good at it. He don't have to do that. Like it's the basketball. You know, what it's the basketball version of. It's like stomping on the dude. logo. It's like, it's like a logo. No, no, it's like a stomping on the logo. Old dude. No, no, it's not that. Dude. It's not that. No, no, no. It's, oh my god! Yeah, I, I guarantee oh. you. I guarantee you what's gonna happen. Oh I'm telling you what's god. gonna happen. What? I'm gonna what? tell you what's gonna happen. Can, can I tell you? What? Yeah, a young that? dude. A young dude's gonna go up to him and stick it in his chest. Okay, he's gonna get like a shiver for that. It's, it's gonna be like somebody's gonna get a technical after 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 Steph does a little night night thing. It's annoying. I can and I, I understand. I love it. I'm not saying I do it. I, pers- I personally love it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Urgency. Um, that was uh, a focal point coming into this game was just, you know, have a sense of urgency on both ends of the floor uh, from start to finish. Really starting the game better, obviously, than we did last game. Uh, and that's something that we talked about and something that we executed uh, tonight. All right, it's Jason Tatum. <laughs> Michael Smith shaking his head. <laughs> Why does it have to come to this? That's Lewis Zatzman. That's really what Michael Smith is talking about. Why should it come to this to the extreme point to get a good game out of either the Celtics or the Miami Heat in this series? So, uh, Lewis, you do some great work for 538. Uh, you're the managing editor of Raptors Republic. Uh, you really uh, take a very analytical look at basketball. So I'm wondering, does analytics have an answer for what we've seen here, this back and forth series where it's really hard to predict who's in control. That's honestly an awesome question. I think something analytics should spend more time on, you know, chemistry, uh, a question like why does it take desperation to play well in the playoffs? That like, that should be something that stats look at. Not that I know of, I don't think they do, but it's something that is important every year in the playoffs. It happens. And so, uh, yeah, great, great question. And I think, you know, the Celtics have had this more than once, where I think the last time they played the Heat, they were a better team in 2020. Uh, they probably should have been in the finals, I thought. Uh, they had a really drag-it-out series against the defending champions then, too, just like they did against Milwaukee this year. Uh, but it shouldn't take bulletin board material. It shouldn't take beatdowns to get you going in, in, in the next game. It doesn't make sense. Well, uh, the Celtics are, are seven and zero in even number games in these playoffs. So I don't know, maybe, but uh, <laughs> whatever that's worth. So I guess yeah, I just I was saying earlier, Lewis, man, like I wish we could just truncate this series and just announce that hey, winner take all game five. Like we, we get it, we get, we get the pattern already. We don't need we don't need to let this because it's gonna go seven because they're gonna trade off wins the next two games. Would not shock me. If the Celtics won game five in Miami and then Miami mustered up that desperation and won game six in Boston, and then we got an unnecessary game seven in Miami, that'll probably end up being another disappointing blowout. I mean, I'm just totally over this series. Having said that, like, with all due respect to the Warriors, who have the pedigree, uh, who have the pieces, of course, who have uh, a gear uh, unlike most teams, um, and the reason I qualify with most is because the Celtics, like, when they're on, would you characterize them as the favorite? Just the just the the the, the on, the, the focused, motivated Celtics. Would you say that right now they have the highest ceiling of the four remaining teams? Yeah, in terms of just what's the talent level on the team, I think the Celtics do have the most talent. You know, they have 
a superstar in Jason Tatum who can get a bucket anytime he wants. They have all the other guys who can ship in. Al Horford's been amazing. You know, Jalen Brown, super overqualified secondary scorer, just hits everything he throws up. He was just unbelievable in, in that game four victory. They have the best defense in the league. You know, they ha- in terms of just on paper, they have everything. But these guys haven't been to the finals. You know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson have been to many, many finals. And so if you are talking about a team that just sometimes doesn't get going in some games, well, you can't just throw games in the finals. You know, if, if they are playing at their best, I think they beat the Warriors if those two teams make it to the finals. But it's very hard to say they will be playing at their best in every game. Whereas the Warriors, you could pretty much count on that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love that phrasing. Uh, overqualified secondary score for, for Jalen Brown. That's pretty good. <clears throat> Let, let's go to the guy who, uh, as I watched him last night, walking to the uh, arena with a Michael Jordan championship shirt on. That's Tatum. And we heard from him that was, that was a good off the top. That was a good you shirt. think that Tatum, uh, you know, look, all, clearly he's going to be an all NBA player this year. He's been an all star. How do you how do you define superstar? And is he there for you? So two questions. How do you totally. define it? And is he there? I'm going to start with the, the easier question. Yes, he, he is a superstar for me. Um, how I define it, it's probably going to be rambling. I think a lot of guys who have the ball a lot, you know, whether you're a big, a wing, a guard, uh, a wing, uh, guard, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you have the ball a lot, there's easy stuff and there's hard stuff, right? The, the easy stuff, the low-hanging fruit, do you hit your threes? Do you make layups? Do you pass for teammates who get easy shots? You know, some guys get assists. All the guys who make their shots, they're hard shots. Do you pass for easy shots for your teammates? Those are all things that stars do. The superstar stuff, when the the ball gets to you in the end of the clock and you have to take a bailout shot, you know, double teams coming, can you hit that too? And so Jason Tatum is a really efficient shooter. He hits his threes, especially when they're open. He's unbelievable at the rim. You know, he's great creating space. He's really long, releases the ball from all sorts of angles. He can get there on his own. You know, he can cut, he can rebound. All all that low-hanging stuff, it's great. Great pass for this year, too. But the hard stuff, you know, you give the guy the ball. Maybe Kevin Durant's guarding you. Maybe Giannis is guarding you. Can you just put up a mid-range shot and get a bucket? And he is among the best in the league at that as well. So however you define, you know, success, if the possession is already successful, he can add to that. If the possession is grinding down, he can save it. And I think being able to do both is what a superstar is. And he absolutely has that. Hey, I got um, one non-conference finals topic I want to hit with you, Lewis. Uh, guy that's a superstar in the front office is uh, it's Tim Connolly. Now he's going to run mm. the Minnesota Timberwolves, leaving the Nuggets. They're giving him 40-plus million dollars in equity in the franchise. Um, what's the significance of this particular transaction? How highly regarded is Connolly within league circles in terms of what he did in Denver and what he could potentially do with this young up-and-coming franchise in Minnesota that's that's looking for dynamic leadership. Yeah, really highly regarded, considered one of the, you know, um, cutting edge pioneers and sort of how to build a team. Uh, but it's interesting because the things that he has been so successful at, 
by and large drafting. I mean, that's the thing. You look at Denver, they draft so well. You know, they find guys in the 20s. Bones Highland was a guy this year. They picked 26th, I think, who is just unbelievable for a guy you pick in the mid-20s. He shouldn't be that talented, and he was, he was fantastic for them. And he's going to a team that already drafts exceptionally. Uh, you know, guys like Jalen Noel, Naz Reed, they have guys on the bench who could be starting on a lot of teams around the league. And so you wonder, uh, obviously he's going to help anywhere he goes, but you wonder why Minnesota needs to make a change. You know, they, they were a successful team. They're on, they're on the come up. They have a great roster. And I think Connolly's a wonderful addition. Uh, I just... Um, I don't think it's going to be a 180 degrees because when you're already good, it's hard to see the difference between good and great. Whereas a team like, say, Sacramento, just to, you know, easy to throw them under the bus, if they were to get somebody like Connolly, you would see the difference immediately. Hmm. Awesome. Hmm. Hey, Louis Osman, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for uh, for coming through and dropping knowledge. Um, that's anytime <laughs> somebody getting a $40 million bag with ownership equity. <laughs> That's, that's, that says a lot. That says a lot. And uh, I like I like, I like like A-Rod and Timberwolves going for it. You know, being aggressive. Yeah. It's Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns core that they got, you know. So we'll see. Up and coming team. Yeah. Louis, thank you so much, I mean, man. Appreciate you. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Agreed, guys. No, no, I, I'm just saying I agreed. Edwards, you know, might be the future, right? He could be the best player, maybe, if everything breaks right. So got to, you know, got to swing for the home run when you can. So uh, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Love chatting with you about ball. Way to hit it out of the park, Appreciate Louis you, Aspen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look, there's a lot of jobs that we have to do. We're all working on those things now. It's it's May. They'll change in June. They'll change in August. They'll change in September. So evolve to the things timely that we need to do. And if you're asking about game plans, we're like months away from that. Months. So what plays are we calling? Oh. Many camp plays? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to coach the team, coach the players. We're going to get them ready to go. We're going to game plan. We have to game plan. We'll play call. Do all the things that we need to do and compete in games right now. We're, gonna, we're months away from that. The execution of the plays, I think, are a lot more important than the plays themselves. So I've called them. I've not called them. Call them. I've not called them. So, and so is everybody else. And look, there's a lot. There for hey, 20 man. years, I, I I don't think I've ever heard the minicamp plays line. I've never, I mean, and maybe it's because it's never been a question. Maybe it's because this hey, is man. you know maybe because this is a new territory that they're in with no clear cut. Offensive coordinator or play caller, or obviously, you know, they got a second year quarterback. I don't know what it is. But seriously, all the press conferences, that's that's probably as, as good a one liner as I've ever heard of, with, with yeah. a couple of plays we're gonna call. 
mini, mini camp plays. It's like, damn, and he no. knew it too. We, we he knew, just, he knew we it was a good line. We just, you know, he knew it. He did that little mini smirk. Camp plays. He did that smirk. What, what, yeah. He probably, you know what? He had that one in the back pocket. He had that one in the back pocket. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah, and yeah. you know, we that, know we that was, a, that, we, that was a bear. That was a bear special. I was just gonna say, Mike. We know how the we know how the sausage is made with the New England Patriots. So Bears Nigerian, his right hand man, uh, yeah. as David Halberstam, David Halberstam once called Ernie Adams, uh, Belichick's Belichick. No, he had the right right great line, wrong guy. Bears, Bears is Belichick's Belichick. So that's the guy who actually thinks about all the things. But look, I'm not the first person to say this. But I'm going to say it anyway. Now, Bill Belichick has been good to me. He really has. Uh, he's been very generous with his time, uh, with his brain. He's taught, I've learned a lot, a ton about team building and the draft and game planning, uh, coaching, just the game of football and the love of football and, and books from Bill Belichick. But he's a real a hole, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, he is. He is. I mean, especially when you're questioning him about something that he feels like he's given a lot of thought to, he's, get a, he's given a lot of consideration and weight to, W-E-I-G-H-T, weight, and you're coming in, in his mind, you're coming in late, and you're coming in incorrectly. He's got very little tolerance for that kind of stuff. So, really, for, for those who are wondering what's going on, what's the tension here? The tension is Josh McDaniels left, McDaniels was raised in the New England system. He was there as a kid. He left as a grown man. Uh, he came back twice. Left, uh, left once, came back, and almost left again before finally going to the Raiders. But he pretty much held down play calling in New England for better parts of a generation. And now the Patriots don't have an offensive coordinator. You've heard Joe Judge. You've heard Matt Patricia. You've heard Bill Belichick even as a play caller working with Mac Jones in his second year. And Mike, this is really what it comes down to for me. Uh, the Patriots don't have it. They're, they're not going to have a technical offensive coordinator this year. But if Bill Belichick winds up working with Mac Jones, either as the CEO of the play calling operation, not necessarily the play caller, but the guy who looks over it or the play caller, do you trust Bill Belichick to do that thing right? I mean, that's really what is it comes down to. Is that rhetorical? Was that rhetorical for you? That was rhetorical. It's not rhetorical. Is oh, that, oh, no, it's oh, a real so you question. Are you actually asking me? Oh, you, okay. I'm asking I know you because some people, because a lot of people in New England don't. A lot of people in New England say, oh, this is a disaster. But what, what do you think? Do you well, think that Bill would, Belichick, would, if, he, would, if he's over the offense, will it be good? I would say quickly. Um, I think part of the issue is, and like I said, I mean, whether it was Charlie Weiss to Josh McDaniels, or uh, Bill O'Brien, or back to Josh McDaniels. There's been incredible continuity on that side of the ball. Probably more continuity, I dare I say it, on that side of the ball from a, a coordinator standpoint than the defensive side. But nobody ever worries Definitely. about defense because you got Bill Belichick. So why are you worried That's about right. defense? I think Bill Belichick's offensive acumen is vastly underrated because he had Tom Brady and by extension Josh McDaniels. So I don't think many people outside of yourself, of course, understand how much he contributes to the offensive side of the ball. That's one. Two, given how much of a game plan and week-to-week team they are, offensively and defensively, it would not shock me if they rotated play callers. 
if one week it was Matt Patricia, if another week it was Joe Judge, if another week it was Belichick. It wouldn't shock me if based on the game plan, they identified somebody who had a certain touch or a certain vision for that opponent and just rotated it. And we never knew any differently about it. And it, and it would all come back to him and he'd say, hey, that was my decision. That was my call. You know, I call that play. But I, I could see them. I could see it remaining a mystery all season. You know, he, he, even internally. Oh, if you were, if you're a quarterback, that. just just think about it. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, hey, hell, if, Mac if Jones if might call his own plays. He might be he might be Johnny Unitas. He might be, be calling his own plays. That. I, it's funny. It's funny that you say that. I, I brought that up uh, last week. I had that thought. Like, hey, they they think he's a smart guy and he really is a quick learner. Maybe go back to the 1970s where all those dudes are like, hey, I call my own plays. A yeah. coordinator was there just as a as a voice to bounce something off of, but I'm I'm running this. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Elsewhere in OTAs, here's Ryan Tannehill. I gave last time. Um, you know, I'm in no disrespect to Malik uh, or anything close to that. Um, we've been in constant communication since he was drafted. You know, through the madness that ensued after my last press conference and. Um, you know, over the last few weeks as he's been in the building and, and kind of getting to know each other. And he's a, he's a good person. Uh, he's a talented player. He, he's coming off a great college career. And so, you know, we're happy to have him in the room. Um, really just kind of disappointed in, in how things got spun and, um, and twisted a little bit. You know, I, I pride myself on being a great teammate. I have my whole career. Um, going back to the time I was, I was a kid, you know, playing youth sports, it's been something that's been important to me you know, from the beginning and will always be important to me. Yeah, I'm disappointed, Steve Weiss, that Ryan Tannehill even had to explain that or clarify that or address that. Yes. I mean, he said nothing wrong to begin with, but that's where we at right now, man. Not only is, are we in organized team activities, OTAs, we are in overreact to anything and everything for that matter. Overreact to anything season across the NFL. No, no, I like that. Uh, to keep Bill, it right there. To Bill Belichick's overreact point. I pre- yeah, you like that, right? To well, yeah. anything. Okay, keep that. Keep overreact that. to yeah. anything. So, with that said, whether it's uh, Michael and I, Steve just finished talking about Bill Belichick and his lack of a clear-cut offensive coordinator or play caller uh, in the AFC East. I'm, I'm, I'm reading about... Um, Tua Tonga Bailoa and, and Mike McDaniel talking him up and Tyreek Hill talking him up and he's getting to pick the music. He's a practice player today, blah, blah, blah. This is a broad question, whether it's Tennessee, New England, anywhere else. Broad question. I know your phone is blowing up. What is your phone buzzing about the most? Going back to that overreact to anything line I just had. What's your phone buzzing about the most from OTAs so far this week, Steve Weiss? Yeah, look, nobody's phone blew up more than the Tua underthrow to Tyreek Hill uh, when their social media department <laughs> put that out. But like you said, I mean, that, that was an overreaction. I, I mean, everything. But I mean, I want to get to your point about, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Because I mean, when that sure. happened, you know, when that happened, it, it was all like, well, it's really not his job. But anyone who has covered this league for a while knows that Ryan, Ryan Tannehill has been a solid dude. Like, it is just not in his nature to all of a sudden try and ice out a guy who he's going to be in a room with with maybe one other quarterback throughout the season. He's going to be a good teammate to him. So, you know, again, that's the overreaction part of things. 
look, we're in the touch football season. OTA is touch football, right? There's a lot of all pro OTA heroes who all of a sudden once you put pads on them, we're never going to hear from them. I think again. you should. I think you should build a team. You should build a team. You should do a, a OTA all pro team. I love that. Oh man, there's, there's that. so OTA hey, man, you all should pros. Do that. You should do look, that. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to name a player. But years years ago, when Jeff Fisher was coaching the Tennessee Titans, and they're actually winning ball games that summer, I'm watching film with this. Oh, look at this dude. Look at this dude. He's killing it. Look at how fast he is. Blah blah blah. So I saw him at about week six, and I was like, "Hey, whatever happened to that guy?" <laughs> yeah, we put pads on him. <laughs> Can't play football. Play really good in touch football. We put pads on him. So that look, look, the NFL is always in the news, right, guys? But we're going to overreact to anything. Do you think Bill Belichick isn't having fun, like keeping the bait out there, saying, "Yeah, I don't know who's going to call plays." They know what's going to happen. When hasn't he had structure and hierarchy in his organization? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's just having fun publicly because he can, and he knows it's this time of the year when NFL-wise, we're going to overreact to everything. And by the way, I like the acronym, the way you put it down, Mike. That was pretty sweet. You got it. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? With, with Belichick, he, is, he, he likes the troll game. He can play that game very well. He really enjoys it. But what do you think? I, I agree with you. He knows what's going to happen, Steve. What do you think will happen? Do you think it will be... As Mike pointed out, and maybe it's a rotation of offensive play callers, which sounds OC a little committee. chaotic. Or is it Belichick, the play caller? What do you think he's going to do? Well, I don't know if he'll be the play caller. I mean, he's such he's such a dynamic game. I don't want to say manager, like a, a game Svengali. And, you know, watch that clip of him against the Seahawks when they're down at the one-and-a-half-yard line. In that Super Bowl, when the whole world is like timeout, timeout, even guys on his sideline, he's like, no. Well, I'm not calling a timeout because look across the field and there's chaos on their sideline. If he starts all of a sudden calling plays, he is not going to be able to pick up cues like that to help his team win. So I think there'll be a designated play caller. I don't think he's going to go OC by committee. You know, we saw teams that try that, it doesn't work. We saw that happen in Miami last year. They were losing all of a sudden they settled on one play caller. They start winning in ball games. That, that's a tough thing to do, especially with the second year quarterback. So they're going to have somebody. Maybe they won't name him offensive coordinator. Brian Flores wasn't his defensive coordinator by title, but yeah. that's what he was by by job. So that's probably what Belichick is, is going to end up doing. I mean, again, he's had structure and, and you know a hierarchy throughout his organization for years. So he's just not going to go out yeah. there and play games this deep in his career just because he feels like it. No, no, listen, I, he, although on defense, you know, Gerard Mayo runs the meetings. Steve Belichick calls the plays on Sunday. So he's, he, he, he's kind of outside the box with their approach to, to their coaching staff. But you mentioned Brian Flores. That led me right where I wanted to go. Uh, I, I bet you Belichick is at least relieved that he, ain't gotta, he hasn't been answering questions lately about text to Brian Flores as evidence in Brian Flores' lawsuit against the league. And yet the NFL, which once called that lawsuit meritless, continues to take actionable items, albeit baby steps, toward trying to create more equity and inclusion in the coaching and front office ranks. Michael and I discussed the accelerator program that's taking place at the owners' meetings, and today comes word that the Rooney Rule has once again been expanded to mandate a minority interview at the quarterback coach position, which I think is rather significant. I'm sure you guys agree given that the pipeline for head coaches is typically on the offensive side of the ball and 
quarterback coaches in particular either end up being OCs or on a fast track to being head coach. They're right next to that glamour position. They're as important as anybody on the staff. This is meaningful. Again, they're still going to hire who they want. It doesn't eliminate nepotism. Uh, it doesn't eliminate bias or systemic racism. But and Michael and I have been talking about this for a while. This is one of those target areas, offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches, where there's a glass ceiling in particular uh, on the part of head coaches who continue to hook up their boys and perpetuate this system and this cycle that oftentimes shuts out black coaches. So whether it's the this this development with the Rooney Rule, Steve, or the accelerator program, what do you think of the moves that the league is making to try to address the things that Brian Flores' lawsuit brought to the forefront? Well, I'll tell you this, man. You know, the lack of black head coaches and general managers or, or coaches of color and general managers of color or, or women, that's not a league-specific issue. It is an owner or team-specific issue. The league keeps yep. trying over and over with initiative after initiative to get teams' attention. I'm here at the league meetings right now in Atlanta, so I've been part of this accelerator program. I've seen it. Like 32 teams have at least two reps from their teams here for these owners to meet, and these owners have been part of meetings. They had a reception. They had another mixer this morning, and then those, those representatives from the teams also sat in on some of the league business meetings, right? So they could sit next to Jerry Jones and they could sit next to Art Rooney and some of these people. And so those relationships are being made. And the one thing you keep hearing from the owner side is, I had no idea all this talent was here. Well, I mean, okay. Um, you have <laughs> ideas where, where the other talent is. You seem to find it because you keep on hiring them. Right. Why wouldn't you right. know? When you're in a room and there's Vance Joseph and Eric Bieniemy. That's, that's so close, Steve. Steve, that's so close to he speaks so well. <laughs> I mean, that's like really up on, up on that line, you know. <laughs> you know, what I mean? you know? clean. Yeah. Um, look, it's but, but I mean, the one thing that's good from the participant point of view, because a lot of these guys are like, I can't believe we have to get brought here to get the attention of these yeah. owners and the league. I mean, they're telling us things we already know. We wouldn't be in these leadership positions if we weren't skilled enough or if we didn't have the right to and other white male candidates don't have to go through this yet they get the jobs that said after these guys met with these owners and team presidents they realized this is one hell of an opportunity because typically the owners don't know about any of these candidates black white whatever it is a team president it is a general manager and it is a search firms that are saying Go to this guy whose name you've heard a million times being repeated by reporters in the media on TV all year as the hot play caller, right? That middleman has been cut out now. Okay, these guys had direct one-on-one -on -one contact with these owners, and there's going to be some relationships that were established. Like I said, these owners had no idea who these guys were. From front office candidates, you know, guys like Kai Harley down at the Saints, who's constantly, you know, working that salary cap magic that he's doing so the Saints can sign players and have good teams every year, you know, to the Eric enemies of the world. So hopefully something positive comes out of this. There's a lot of positive speak yeah. right now, yeah. but speaking has not been action. And so, I mean, that's, we're not going to go to the next cycle, but at least some steps were taken. And you're right. That Rooney rule applying to the quarterback coach position is a huge step. Because, you know, right now, teams are like, okay, where can we find one of those? 
uh, they were in that room. Yeah. So they had a firsthand access to some of those guys. Uh, the last thing I want to say uh, to both of you, uh, Mike and Steve, you're both so articulate. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, <laughs> you had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, no, in all seriousness, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, tonight, I know this, Steve. I'm, I'm going to be watching uh, HBO Real Sports. I have no idea what to expect, but uh, this Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's accused, two, of, uh, two of his accusers, at least, are going to speak with Real Sports. Are you hearing any buzz uh, from your league sources about what what's going to happen or what the commissioner might do. It, it's feel like, I, I don't know. I just feel like something big is going to happen with the league and a determination on Deshaun Watson. What are you hearing? Yeah, Roger Goodell is going to speak uh, in a couple hours and answer those questions because you know he's going to get peppered with them because the league's investigators actually met with Deshaun Watson over the past couple weeks, right? They they got that information and typically when they speak to the subject of an investigation, it's at the back end of their fact gathering. So maybe he'll come out and say, I mean, he's not gonna come out and announce any type of potential discipline or something right here, but he could you know, lay some tea leaves down to say potential discipline is coming. And remember the Cleveland Plain dealer last Friday, Mary Kay Cabot had an article after she spoke to Rusty Harden, who is Sean Watson's lawyer, who said that he expects to hear something pretty definitive by June. So we'll, we'll see if there's going to be discipline coming, if there's no discipline coming. The interesting factor here is that these civil cases, they may not go to trial until after the season. So if the league disciplines him now and all of a sudden he's found culpable in the civil cases uh, and then after, you know, after the season, do they punish him again? So there's a lot of things that have to be worked out here. But again, the feeling is that there will be some type of discipline. We just don't know when and we don't know for how long. We know you'll be among the first to know, Steve Weiss. We appreciate you joining us, man. Enjoy Atlanta. Looking clean as always. Yeah, so clean. Yeah. Clean. Clean, and so clean, clean and articulate. Clean and well spoken. Man, yes. who knew? Who <laughs> knew? <laughs> <laughs> you boys are wild. Love you, bro. I love y'all, man. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> Take it easy. Got it. I hire him. Hire him. <laughs> All right, that's it for us, man. Uh, yeah. Go and watch real sports. And uh, we'll see if the Mavs can make it interesting. And uh, we'll pick this up tomorrow. Hey, you know what? You know what? You know what's going to happen to the Mavs? Corny. I can't get corny annoyed stuff by out that. Here. That's not it's corny. So corny. Watch your mouth talking about stuff. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.